No. I can hear you. What's up? I think you couldn't hear me because when you first connected to the call, I was listening to your audio message about something for your check stub. You can tell me now if you want. Oh, I was saying, I was talking to one of the nurses yesterday, telling her my symptoms, um, and she told me that it sounded like I had a serious condition and that I should definitely go get that checked out because I could aspirate in my sleep. But my pay stubs, I need those to get my insurance back on check. Oh, with your acid reflux? Yeah, something like that. Oh, okay. Danny Tanner died this week. Yeah, I know. Um, I honestly didn't even know he was a piece of shit whenever you tagged me that. And then I saw everyone, they were like... Yeah, I don't care. Don't ruin it for me. If you, uh, I was just I was just letting you know I had no clue. Like, I guess I don't keep up with the media like that. Yeah, I try not to when it's someone I like. Like, if I ever found out, like, Dolly Parton was a piece of shit, I think my heart would rip out of my chest. I probably would right. never recover. The only thing I know about, what's his name, Dan? Yeah. Dan, is that the remake of Full House was ass. I'm sorry, but... <laughs> Ugh, I still watched it for the nostalgia factor because I'm a corny bitch. Yeah, I like but... the OG episodes. <laughs> no, I like watched. I watched the new ones. I watched all the seasons Ugh. with Miss Candace. She, oh my god, I follow her on TikTok and I hate her, but I love her. Like I love seeing her face, but she's like a corny little Christian girl, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh Candace. <laughs> um, on a side note, I think my neighbors are. Definitely 10 out of 10 cooking meth. I keep smelling this, like, burning chemical smell, and it's seeping into my apartment, and it's, like, way too strong, I feel, for them to just be, like, smoking it casually anymore. I'm pretty sure they've, like, upped the little game. Well, be careful, or, like, your place might get blown up. I don't know if that's, like, fact or fiction, but... Well, I'm pretty sure it'll just start a fire first. It reminds me of that one um, status that where mom was like, thanks to the dope cooks that set off the fire alarm. <laughs> <in my apartment." laughs> Need merch for that now. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I get to live a little bit of her life again. Right. You have a good day at school. Yeah, I mean, it was okay. My instructor hasn't been there, the one that I normally have, so we've just been, like, trying to do what we can do. Um, but, you know, just, just really trucking along. Got to go to work today. Um, work's going good. How are, how are you doing? I'm good. Still in the job search. I, I had, like, a phone interview today for a job. And this job would pay $18 an hour, and they scheduled me for a second interview next week, but if I did get hired, like, it wouldn't start until the 22nd of February. And I'm still having a difficult time finding anything else, because I've only ever worked in call centers, so, like, if I apply to a grocery store half the time, they're not even, like, looking at my resume or giving me a chance, or they'll tell me, like, I don't have the experience for that job. Right. And uh, it's just really annoying. I'm trying to find something that I can do in the meantime. So, anyway, into the episode today. I guess I can, like, post a little visual visual effect for this as well. But Miss Dana on June 18th, 2014... She says, as dictator of outer space, period, I have mandated this t-shirt be available in all quantities and sizes at no charge because I like to share some of my favorite things. And the picture of the shirt that she has posted is a bullet for my Valentine shirt, which, you know, Donna, you grew up with her. 
and I really didn't get to meet her. But see, to me, is like out of character for the style of music she typically listens to or posts about listening to. Yeah. Um, what I can recall was like a lot of like 2009, you know, Usher hits, Nikki, the whole like Wayne Drake Nikki phase startup. She's really into that. Um, <laughs> she liked ASAP Rocky and she loved good old classic country. So I'm not sure. Was it like, I haven't listened to one of those songs. I, but is it like more rock? It's new metal. New metal. Yeah. I don't know where, where home, homegirl could have got that it's like, from. Literally, I listened to so much of their fucking music. I probably didn't even listen to the, that much of their music preparing for this, actually. I listened to like an album and a half and they've, put out like six or seven albums at this point oh my goodness and i just couldn't do it it's like screamo totally not my style but we're gonna do it anyway um oh, what i want to ask you though do you could you venture to take a guess where this band is from is it the usa i said guess oh i didn't well i didn't know if i needed to go statewide. um the uk yeah damn you're right Yes. How'd you know? Those quirky motherfuckers, I'm telling you. <laughs> okay, well, they're from a town called Bridgen. It's a town in Wales. And it's called Bridgend because it's named after, like, it's kind of, like, named after this lake that runs through the town. Or not, like, a river. And when I say, like, the river runs through the town, like, you can look it up or I can send you a picture really quick. It literally runs through the town like what's it called again bridgend wales yeah i'm gonna send you this picture really quick okay it like runs down like right in the middle of the road oh wow do you know if you can swim in it or is it just like no i doubt it but yeah it's like a canal that's directly like in the middle of the town okay um so, this band has been through a lot of changes over the years, and it actually started out as a band called Jeff Killed John. And so, the original members were Matthew Tuck, Michael Page is his nickname, Paget. Is it Paget or Paget? I don't know. Nick Crandall and Michael Moose. Thomas and the moose is in quotations that was his name so basically Matt Michael Padge Nick and Moose sorry Matt Padge Nick and Moose yeah there we go um I don't know how I should start because I like went into a lot of the details of how like they got this band started and how they you know became kind of passionate about their music and I was going to start with Matt because he's like an original. So, okay, I won't spoil it. Let's actually start with Nick Crandall because he wasn't necessarily. He is like one of the founding members of the band, but he wasn't like the main founding member, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Mr. Crandall, bass guitar. Um. So he was in Jeff Kill John, but he didn't even make it to Bullet for My Valentine. And they still list him as a nem- member of the band. Um, he was their original bass guitar player. 
Um, but he decided, like, after a couple EPs that Jeff Kill John put out, that he didn't really want to do it anymore. It wasn't making them any money, and he felt like music was more of a hobby. I thought it was interesting that they still list him as part of the Bullet for My Valentine band because he was actually he never played with them. Like, not even once after they changed their name. So, he left before they even had the name change. So, I thought that I would just get him out of the way. Okay. Um, one of the main members, and this was, like, there wasn't much that I could find on Nick. Um, just because, like, all the other members, like, whether they've been in the band for a long time or whatever, I could find, like, decent biographies on them. But as far as Nick, I really couldn't find anything other than, like, he was in the band for a very short period of time and just decided to leave. Um, But who I feel is, like, the main member of the band because he is, like, lead vocals. Um, He also plays a little bit of, like, the guitar. Uh, Matt Tuck, or Matthew Tuck, he was actually born January 20th, 1980. His dad worked in the food industry, and today his dad is still, like, a regional food manager um, and doing, like, similar jobs that he was doing when he was a kid. And in an interview, he also said that his mother, back then when he was a kid, worked in, like, factories and supermarkets growing up, so he's very blue-collar, you know, a boy after your own heart. (laughs) (laughs) He had two older sisters who were twins, and he said that he felt like he got most of the attention because there was two of them and only one of him so he was like spotlight child period right um so his earliest influences as a child as far as music he felt were was the music that his parents listened to in particular his father's favorite band was status quo never heard of them who he would hear the vinyls of a lot as a little kid, as well as Bruce Springsteen's records. So those were a lot of his influences. Um, and even though he played the guitar in the band officially, his first instrument was actually the drums. And he said that his dad bought him a drum kit when he was only five years old. It was a full-size premiere drum kit. And he had that until he was 15 and then he sold it to upgrade to his guitar equipment. Um, he said he was pretty badass on the drums. That's pretty cool. He said, I didn't really start to learn them until I was in my early teens and started getting into Metallica. I played drums in a couple of little bands locally before I started wanting to play the guitar. Any thoughts? No. Okay. <laughs> Matthew Tech originally wanted to play... So he actually didn't start off as wanting to even be a musician, which I think is really interesting. There's a lot of things that kind of come together and like make the band what it is today. So he originally wanted to be a a professional sports player. So he wanted to play rugby for Wales. And of that, he said, that was my dream. I was a big sports player until I was 17. And then I gave it up to concentrate on music. When I was a kid, it was either be a rock star or be an international rugby player. Given the size of some of the lads playing rugby, rugby today, I think I made the right choice. So, yeah, he kind of took a little different path in life than he originally thought was going to happen. Well, good for him. Yeah. You know, looking out for himself. For real. The desire to be a musician took over my life, but there was a point where I thought, fuck, I've done something wrong here. I was 23, still living with my parents, and I didn't have any money or any end goal in sight. 
The older I was getting, the more people slammed my decision to continue with the band. That doubt started to creep in, and then we landed a record deal. So, the way that they landed the record deal, their band went through many stages. So, obviously, Nick Crandall left Jeff Kill John after, like, a couple of EPs. actually tried playing with the band name for a while. So, a in the original stages, before they put out the first album for Bullet for My Valentine, they had renamed the band 12 Pints of My Girlfriend's Blood. They had also done a name change to Opportunity in Chicago, which I fuck with. Like, I wish it was Opportunity in Chicago. Yeah, that sounds dope. Yeah, but they actually landed on Bullet for My Valentine, and this is, like, such a stupid reason. But they were all in, like, the pub one night. And Matt, who's, like, kind of the leader of the band, is like, yeah, I, I like the word bullet and I like Valentine. Like, let's work that into the band name. And okay, then they I can just imagine mom seeing that shirt and thinking that, like, she's the Valentine and, like, the bullet is, like, sacrifices for her. You know what I mean? Like, that was sentimental to her and she saw herself in that shirt. Yeah, that's definitely a schizophrenic thing. Which is something that I'm afraid that I might, like have to look into down the road because I have issues like that. So yeah, I can see that. I'm a little paranoid. Yeah. No, I was just saying, like, I I like that's about... Maybe he did name it for her. I mean, he was born after her and the band started... So, like, the band wasn't formed until 1998. Um... So... He felt like the biggest influence as far as the style of the band that they were ta- like going in the direction with the band. Because Jeff Killed John was originally, I believe, more heavy metal, and then they switched to new metal. Um, but his biggest influences were Metallica, particularly their album, Black Album, being the first record he ever bought after he heard the song Enter Sandman for the first time. Uh, they would also be the reason as to why he would start to play the guitar. Um, and he actually, to learn the guitar, he learned them by ear. So mm-hmm. he wasn't, like, taking lessons or anything. Yeah, he was just, like, such a talented musician. He was able to pick it up by just listening to it. Um, which obviously eventually paved the way for his musical career. And in Jeff Kill John, um, he hadn't even, like, began mastering the guitar enough to play so originally in Jeff Kill John, before they renamed the band and like changed directions, he only did vocals. Um, and what's interesting is before Bullet for My Valentine even got a record deal, Jeff Kill John did get their um, EP played on the John Peel show in the early 2000s, which was this guy that had like. It was like a DJ disc jockey show on the radio. And I believe he worked out of like Texas. And John Peel said he didn't even know like how he even received their EP. All he knows, he just like played a couple songs on it. I think there were only two songs on the Jeff Kill John audio at the time. And still it never got them any notoriety at that point. Like they were even played on the radio and it never did anything for them. Um... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, nothing. I was just taking that in. Yeah. Um, let's move on to my boy Moose. Okay. Moose. Okay. Is that a nickname or is that like Yeah, it's government. his nickname. So the, in the original band, we have Matthew Tuck, 
and then there's two Michaels. There's Michael Paget or Paget and Michael Thomas, but both Michaels have a nickname. So one is Page and one is Moose. And then yeah. there's Nick Crandall who obviously left. Um, but Michael Thomas Moose was born on June fourth, nineteen eighty one, and he is the drummer for Bullet of My Valentine, and he was born. In Ogmore Vale, Bridge in Wales, which... So, Wait, I have a question. Are these people alive? Yeah, they're all oh, alive. Oh, okay. So. Like, in the UK? Is that, do you know, like, is that where they reside? So, the thing is, like, we'll get into that, I guess. They've moved a lot because of their notoriety. And they've... This is, like, the interesting thing about me is I didn't realize it was a UK band. And they've had success worldwide, but I feel like they've had most of their success in the US. Really? That's yeah. crazy. Um, so yeah, he was the drummer for Bullet for My Valentine, and he was born in Ogmore Vale, Bridgen, Wales. So the confusing thing is that this is like Bridgen is not only a town in Wales, but it's also a county. So like some of the guys were born in Bridgen, the town inside of Bridgen, the county in Wales. And then this guy was born in like Ogmore, but inside of the county, like they were still close together. And he grew up with Matt and Nick. Um, Michael had very much the same musical experiences as the rest of the band, a fan of traditional heavy metal such as Iron Maiden. He learned drums at a very early age, um, and following the departure of Nick Crandall from the band, Moose changed his drumming style to adapt to the new band style of music and became considerably more happy to double kick his two independent bass drums. Um, since 2005, Moose has been pounding out crushing beats and playing alongside or opening for drumming greats such as Lars Ultrich of Metallica. So he's also done some additional work um, opening for other bands in addition to playing for uh, Bullet for My Valentine. Okay. Um, ba 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 ba. Okay, and I do want to mention that he is technically, at this point, a former member of the band. Um, He did leave the band in 2016. Um, At that point, I believe, not only did he have a wife and a kid, but of the move, he said that it was very stale at that point with the band. And he said, after the third album, we were trying to get a bit of cash because, you know, it's your job, but it just got boring. Mm -hmm. And then he also said... It was just too safe with Bullet. We started recording our fourth album, Temper Temper, and we were just writing for radio, which is definitely the wrong thing to do. And after he's saying that, he did go on to, with another original member of the band that we'll discuss later, he went on to join a different band. So now he's in a band called uh, Kill the Lights. And he said that we, in this particular band that he's in now, that they're basically just like, fuck radio, we have our own sound. And he said he grew up with a lot of punk rock, and none of that is on the radio. And he just wants to enjoy what we're playing, and that's where we are at the moment, just being ourselves. So, yeah, he is in a new man band called Kill the Lights. Uh-huh. And then let's move to my boy Pad. Um, so Padge is the lead guitarist for Bullet for My Valentine, and he is one of the founding members for the band. He has featured on every Bullet for My Valentine release to this day, 
In addition to playing lead guitar, Padge also performs backing vocals. Um, and he was born September 12th, 1978. And around 15 years old, Padge received his first guitar. It was a three-quarter size classical guitar. He studied music at Bridgen College, which is interesting. Like, he's the only original member of the band that actually went to school for music. Mm-hmm. Um, where he met the members. So he met the members that would form Jeff Killed John, latter to be known as Bullet for My Valentine. The first song he could play was Nirvana's Polly. Okay. And at 17, after saving a... So he actually, in order to buy that guitar, he saved money from his paper route. So the kind of like the difference in the guys, too, is Matt and Moose, their parents kind of bought them like the drums and stuff they needed to start music at an early age. Uh, Padge actually had to save up money to pursue music. Um, and originally he said he did not know how to tune the guitar or play it at that point. And he was only 17 when he first was like getting into learning how to actually play an instrument. The other guys were starting from the time that they were very young. And uh, Padge's cousin actually stepped in to help him learn to play the guitar and he learned, like, a small amount of chords from a chord booklet that accompanied the guitar and then quickly learned to play that Polly song by Nirvana. Um, and soon after, he learned, he, like, developed a love of metal and he began to get into bands like Metallica and Iron Maiden. And his dream was actually to perform with ZZ Top. And in 1998 um, is when the band Jeff Kill John was founded with Matt and Nick and Moose. And those were the four original members. Like I said, um, Nick did leave, and also Padge left in 2016, um, but obviously Nick left before Bullet For My Valentine was even a thought. Um, So there's three other members that have been in the band, whether or not they've left or still are in the band is something that we'll talk about later. After Nick left, since he was a bass guitar player, um, they did want to replace him. So they actually ended up replacing him pretty quickly with uh, Jason James, who goes by Jay. And um, he has also left the band at this point, too. But he did start um, as a bassist and a backing vocalist. Uh, back when they were still Jeff Killed John. He was born on 13th of January, 1981. And he also, before Jeff Killed John, he was the vocalist for an alternative metal band called Nuke. And James joined the band shortly after they changed their name. Oh, I'm sorry. He didn't join it when it was Jeff Killed John. It was very shortly after they changed their name from Jeff Killed John and parted ways with Nick. In 2003. At this time, Bullet was recording their self-titled EP. So just Bullet for My Valentine. Um, James is credited with bass and backing vocals on all of Bullet for My Valentine's releases up until Raising Hell. But the thing is, like, Matt Tuck, so the original, like, one of the original members, stated that he recorded all of the bass lines himself instead of James. Because to get someone else to record the bass parts was just unnecessary. So he's listed as 
like the backup bassist or whatever but um jay has only like recorded vocals on in like the early days on the vans sorry i can't talk he's actually only on like 12 songs like that are recorded so he might like play with them live but as far as like the songs that he's actually like recorded and on are four words to choke upon cries in vain no control just another star her voice resides suffocating under words of sorrow room 409 10 years today spit you out the end seven days and my first your mouth her scars which are all songs i don't even like if i listen to any of their music i couldn't tell you what they were about that shit is deep though like (laughs) that sounds like like yeah like names (laughs) yeah i mean like yeah it's heavy metal there's like some songs that we'll talk about later that is like called like my demon rises or something like that (laughs) were they um did what were their religious beliefs did did you know no i didn't really look into that at all i'm not sure if they have any um for one of the newer members of the band i kind of listened to um a podcast interview with him to research about like how he got involved with the band and it, they just don't seem very religious. <laughs> That's what I was saying. Okay. okay. Um, but yeah, so he's only technically recorded on 12 of their songs, but while playing with the band, he did provide backing vocals on nearly every song that was like played live. Um, and his vocals were heavily criticized after his voice progressively changed to the years, which sometimes that can be due to like if somebody smokes or like does drugs or technically in like screamo it can happen just from your effect your voice being affected by screaming so much so um a lot of fans like just really didn't like his vocals towards the end of the time that he was in the band and then there were like a minute group of fans though that kind of like fucked with how his voice had changed but for the majority i just think that they just like weren't vibing with it anymore um But he actually played with the band until 2015. So he was from 2003 to 2015, so about 12 years with the band, when he was replaced with Jamie Mathias. Um, The band released the following statement and said when Jay left, It is with regret that Bullet For My Valentine has to announce that Jay James is no longer a member of the band. Jay has been a part of the band for well over 12 years and a part of our lives forever. And we are going to miss him as much as we know you guys are too. We want to wish him the best and success with whatever he chooses to do next. And we'll always be grateful for his contribution and sacrifices he made for this band. We'll announce a replacement for Jay when time is right. But until then, we're going to be busy and focused on recording our next record and making sure it's the best album we've ever made. And according to Matt Tuck, parting ways with James was a very difficult decision and that the band had fought hard to keep him. It is unknown why James had to leave the band. And a lot of people have like a lot of different theories. Not only because of his voice. But there's a lot of rumors that he had a really difficult time with like drug abuse. Mm-hmm. And they just couldn't get him to be more stable. And it, it wasn't necessarily so much creative differences as like he wasn't working the way that he should have been because of his addiction. So that's what a lot of people like speculate. Um, and 
they especially like the drug abuse they speculated because tuck actually said that stuff he just said like stuff very vaguely was jeopardizing the band's career and it had to stop and that his departure was in his best interest so that kind of like makes you think he probably was struggling with addiction at the time um and after bullet for my valentine jason james was most inactive on social media since his departure from the band as of 2021 it appears he is now working on a a new music with snippets of tracks entitled beast and breathe being released being released on his instagram page so i think he's just like doing these himself um but there's i think they were like released in 2020 on his instagram page Mm -hmm. but i don't think anything has actually been released as of yet um so i will also say that since we've done all of like the early members of the band so far um including like the people that have left i will say that jeff killed john so this is probably why they actually still label nick crandall as a member of the band or like a former member are some of the songs that they recorded for jeff killed john in their last ep some of the songs that weren't released at the time they reworked that music into later albums for bullet for my valentine so if anybody's interested some of the songs that have been reworked um into later tracks include like there was routine unhappiness on the last ep or sorry routine happiness for bullet for my valentine contains riff elements that would later become tears don't fall sorry yeah tears don't fall is a bullet for my valentine song routine unhappiness is a jeff kill john song mm-hmm. um with lyrical content that would appear on 10 years today nation to nation and would eventually become the sampler track turn to despair and all these things i hate revolve around me is an early demo of the song of the same name that would eventually appear on the bullet for my valentine's debut album the poison so they've still taken like some of the old music and reworked it into their new stuff which is pretty cool um and as well jason has also since like he is producing some of his own music but he has since also joined uh kill the lights with former band member moose so both of those guys are like in a new band like by themselves so that's pretty cool they're still working together um the last two members of the band kind of came later now i will talk about jason bold a little bit Um, I didn't really take a whole lot about him just because there wasn't much that I was able to, like, see. Um, anyway, or able to find, sorry, I'm an idiot, (laughs) able to see, what the fuck. So, Jason Bold is a British drummer, and he's bullet for my Valentine, but he's kind of, like, jumped around, I guess, in the league. He has played for, like, a couple of different bands, including Pitch Shifter, This Is Menace, and Axe Wound. Um, And his first show with Bullet For My Valentine was Wembley Arena in 2010. And it was at the time, and now at this point, he wasn't even, like, a member of the band. But their original drummer, Moose, at that time in 2010, he wasn't able to play. He might have been sick or something. So they had called Jason just as, like, a fill-in drummer 
for that night. And since then, uh, I guess, like, Matt just, like, had Jason in the back of his head. And so when Moose left the band, Matt Tuck just rang him and gave him a set list with no rehearsals. And he only had, like, two days to learn the set. And he was basically like, like, you're in the band now. Like, show up. Here's the set list. (laughs) Yeah, That's how I got hired at my job. What? That's basically how I got hired at my job. Really? Yeah, they're like, you're hired. (laughs) They're like, it's not even an interview. (laughs) I love that. Um, And then my favorite member of the band. And I don't, and I think the only reason why he's my favorite is like, because I actually listened to like the podcast interview with him and he's pretty funny but I will also say their accents are so thick it was so difficult for me to understand it honestly like that part kind of pissed me off a little bit but I think um Jamie Mathias is probably the best example of rags to riches out of all of them um most of the members of the band were pretty like blue collar growing up obviously but Jamie Mathias, he just has, like, the best backstory. Um, and he was born April 10th, 1990. He's only, like, six years older than me. Um, and he is the successor of the longtime bassist, Jason James, or Jay, um, for the band Bullet for My Valentine, obviously, Avi, who became the official bassist for the group in 2015 when Jay left. So, before fame... So he did previously play bass guitar for a metal group called Revoker, but it was like, it was more of like a hobby group in the UK. And it wasn't anything that he was necessarily like making a whole lot of money off of. Um, And he was also working in a car sales showman, showman, showroom in Cardiff when he received the call for the audition. (laughs) Now, how he received the call was basically he had some friends who were in school at the time and he was in college at the time and they were playing for this uh, UK group called the blackout and the blackout happened to get um, opportunities like opening for like Lincoln Park and Pharrell and other bands at the time and he was friends with members of the band now, they knew that Jamie Mathias was pretty good at, like, guitar and some other things. Obviously, he played for his own, like, little hobby band. And one night, their uh, bass player was not able to make it on to their, like, opening tour. And one of his friends called him up and was like, hey, we're about to go, like, on a two-week tour. And we need, to st- we need you to stand in. And he said it was, like, extremely short notice, and he had to leave the next day. And so he was only, like, excited enough that he was going to be opening for, like, bands like Linkin Park and stuff like that. Um, And this was, like, kind of like a trip. And he said that he had told, like, everybody that he was getting to play with his band, like, his, like, home band or whatever, his friend's band that was opening for, like, Linkin Park and stuff, and he was so excited about that. He, like, told his mom. He told all his friends. Like, he's like, I remember to tell everybody but my girlfriend, and he's like, the next day when I was already on tour, my girlfriend called me up and was, like, asking where I was at, and he was like, I'm playing with the Blackout, like, opening for Linkin Park, and she's like, she's like, oh, bet, so, like, we're definitely breaking up then, right, and he's like, yeah, probably, and then, like, hung up the phone, (laughs) and 
so yeah he didn't even tell her that he was leaving um but the school was actually cool with it because he had to leave school to be able to go on this tour for two weeks and they put it down as work experience which is pretty dope um and during the tour there was a show that bullet was also playing at and a lot of the welsh bands were there playing that night as well it was like a festival and bullet for my valentine was there and a lot of the people that were from Wales kind of, like, commingled. Like, a lot of the bands that were kind of, like, from the same area, they all, like, chatted and they had dinner together. And, obviously, Padge was there because he was there with BFMV. And at dinner, he bought um, Jamie Mathias. He bought him Cheese Toasty, which is basically, that's just what they call grilled cheese over there. And he said from then on, like, him and Padge were, like, besties. He was like, you're my friend for life. Like, you bought me a grilled cheese. (laughs) Love that. And they continued to, like, play the night or whatever. And it was, like, a little bit later. And Padge had, like, kind of stayed in touch with Jamie Mathias. And they had been friends and, like, texting back and forth. And he eventually invited Matthias to audition for the band. And he didn't even tell him, like, oh, like, can you come audition? He was basically, like, the same thing with Jason Bold. He was like, listen, I need you to come to this audition. These are the three songs you're going to play. Um, and he told him to play Betrayal, Waking the Demon, and Raising Hell um, by Bullet for My Valentine. He had to, like, learn all of those basically overnight. And... Jamie Mathias, when he got that call, he, like, literally thought, like, Padge was drunk. He was like, there's no fucking way. Because he was just, like, you know, playing for small-time bands as a hobby. But, yeah, Padge was like, you're going to come audition, dude. And he got the part. And he has been the bassist ever since Jay left the band. Which is pretty cool. Um, They have put out albums continuously, even this year. So, these are the albums that they've put out. So, they put out The Poison in 2005, um, Scream, Aim, Fire in 2008, Fever in 2010, Temper, Temper in 2013, Venom in 2015, Gravity in 2018, and they pulled out a self-titled album this year, or sorry, in 2021. It's 2022 now called bullet for my valentine um so going back to poison this was their debut album and it was released between 30th of september 2005 and valentine's day so it had a bunch of like debuts all over the world and some of the debuts were actually on valentine's day which is pretty cool but they didn't even intend for that to happen but that was like the last day one of their debuts was and it was a certified gold album after 500,000 copies were sold in the U.S. Um, now, Scream, Aim, Fire, 2008, was their second album, and it was produced by Colin Richardson at Sonic Ranch Studios. The album was released on 29th of January, 28, and sold roughly 50,000 copies in the first week which made it reach a top position of four on the Billboard 200, so they're climbing up. Until the end of 2008, they toured the world with support from bands like 
Avenge Sevenfold, Bless the Fall, and No Fear in the Lacuna Coil. Never heard of them. Well, I've heard of Avenge Sevenfold, but never listened to them. Fever, 2010. Fever was released on 27th of April, 2010. But unfortunately, somehow um, couldn't find... Oh, yeah. Sorry, those were my notes. I couldn't find any of their selling numbers for that album. Um, the main recording part was finished in t- 2009 for this album already. And after their release, the band toured America and headlined multiple very well-known festivals like Rock and Ring, Download Festival, Grass Pop, and Rock on the Range, to name a few. Um, Tuck stated that unused songs of Fever recording sessions would perhaps be redone and used on the next album. So they were worked into Temper Temper. Um, the fourth studio album, um, and to promote this album in 2013, the band toured from the 10th of February of 2013 to the 3rd of November 2013. There were some issues with actually the recording sessions for this album when the band was misused, misused for playing at the Coke Zero Fest 2009. But luckily, they were able to be pulled out and attend the recording session. So that's actually around the time that uh, Moose had left the band as well. Wait, so like a Coca-Cola Zero? Just like not just Coca-Cola, just like Coca-Cola Zero? Yeah, so it was a Coke Zero Fest 2000. Sugar-free. Sorry, that, that caught my ear. Yeah, so basically there were some issues with their recording sessions for the album. Um, that, like, basically were sort of, like, misplayed at the Coke Zero Fest. And so they had a difficult time, I guess, promoting the album because there were a little bit of audio issues and things like that, and they had to go back and re-record. So that's why they were literally trying to promote the album from February to November of that year. They were, like, going on tour to try to get people to buy it. So it definitely, like, didn't do very well. Um... Now, their album Venom was also produced by Colin Richardson, uh, though Tuck stated in an interview earlier that Terry Date, who had also produced bands like Deftones and Pantera, was the preferred producer at the time. So they actually wanted Terry Date to produce the album, but they ended up having to go with Colin Richardson. They actually didn't get a record label for the band, so they changed to... Bullet for My Valentine in 20, 2003, sorry, but they didn't get a record until 2004. So they did like a showcase of bands in London in 2004 and um, featured in front of multiple record labels. Under them, even, Road, even Roadrunner Records and Sony BMG wanted to sign them. And as singer Tuck explained in an interview a few years later, the band ultimately stuck with Sony BMG because following the showcase they felt that they could make the most money with sony um and they had a bigger chance of success to this day the music the musicians have a contract with sony bmg in europe tusco records in great britain and visible noise in america so they have like a couple different um record companies that they have deals with in you know internationally Mm -hmm. um Yeah, anyway, they actually released, so they do have a self-titled album that was uh, released last last year, 
But they also have a self-titled EP that was their first, like, EP after being signed that was released in 2004. And there was a limited edition with only a couple thousand copies of their single Four Words to Choke Upon published in 2005. So I don't know if you know the difference between, like, an EP and an album, but EPs are usually, like, shorter track playlists. Like, they only have a couple of songs on the EPs. And they sold a couple of limited edition ones at that time that had an addition additional song called Four Words to Choke Upon that they published in 2005. So there's a very few, like, number of those EPs in rotation. That's very interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to go listen to those um, songs now. And, hey, whenever you upload the picture... Um, Mom, you should see if you can find an audio on TikTok, like a little sample. Oh, of Bullet for My Valentine, yeah. Yeah, so they can click on the sound, you know? Yeah. Just for anyone listening to this, you know, I don't know. (laughs) I know some of our followers are into, like, metal, but I definitely am not. Like, I was listening to it, and I even texted John. (laughs) I know, you were like... I was, like, listening to this for research is literally making me suicidal. But I thought it would be, like, a good thing. I definitely wish that they would have stuck with the band name Opportunity in Chicago. I wonder if it was already taken or something or, like, if there was reasoning why they couldn't, like, use that They just kept changing it. So, originally they changed 12 pints of my girlfriend's blood because they (laughs) thought that that... (laughs) That sounds like a cannibalist cult. (laughs) Well... I liked that name, but they thought that it sounded too gory, but I'm like, but Bullet for My Valentine isn't fucking, like, just as gory, like, that doesn't make any sense. I think probably Opportunity in Chicago just didn't sound gory enough for them, because, Wait, like, what do they're... you mean Bullet for My Valentine doesn't make any sense? That makes perfect sense to me, like, you take your bullet for your Valentine, you know, Valentine no. is something. No, they were saying that they didn't like 12 Pints of My Girlfriend's Blood because they felt that band name title was like too gory oh okay but, but they settled on my, yeah they settled on bullet for my valentine i'm like that's not just as fucking gory <laughs> and i feel like they didn't like opportunity in chicago because it wasn't gory enough because of all their like band names that's like the nicest one because the other one is like jeff killed john and it's like always something about murder in opportunity in chicago sounds badass and it has a ring to it so <laughs> that's my in intake chicago sounds like plain white tees <laughs> it sounds like it sounds clean like a boy band i love it do you remember oh i don't know if you remember this whenever we lived in arkansas and you took me to that house show like there was a band donna you made me go there <laughs> do you remember <laughs> I, oh yeah i drove i took you there but you made me and i don't really remember any of like the music that they were playing and honestly i only have the snapchat memories i totally forgot dude i was so stoned like yeah we all were and uh, the only time i ever remember it is when you remind me yeah i was definitely and i want to say that this was such an awkward experience for me because it was mostly teenagers and i was sitting there yeah i was like 16 or 17 at the time (laughs) (laughs) and like the whole place was mostly fucking teenagers and i can if you want to send me that video i can upload that to fucking tiktok of us just standing in a crowd of people (laughs) (laughs) yes with the snapchat filters posing oh my gosh we look so out of it (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah, you'll have to send me those. Okay. I was going to say something else, though. 
something about oh when I when I thought that you said um do you remember when you took me to that I ran across some pictures the other day and do you remember when you were like 13 and I took you to that museum in Fort Smith and you hated it (laughs) (laughs) and I thought it was so cool (laughs) I was such a I was oh my goodness (laughs) yeah yeah I went to the mall yeah throwback that was so long ago that was whenever for those of you that don't know whenever me and Alex first met I basically rejected her (laughs) yeah she did it really helped my (laughs) self-esteem it really made me think that I was so cool yeah I lived with Mikey at the time it was so awkward oh my goodness he used to leave like his used condoms like under the sink did you know about that (laughs) You really just put him out there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, well. Anyway, I love you. I'm going to get this edited and upload it. Okay. Bye. See you.